It's a Fast Five Star Friday. Welcome back to the Fast Five Star Podcast, presented by the Wide World of Rome and hosted by yours truly, Jimmy Robertson, head football coach at Fairleigh Dickinson University. I want to thank everyone for tuning in to this week's episode of the FFSP as we continue on our quest of being Fast Five Star. Having a passion and a purpose. Being disciplined and accountable. Overcoming adversity and maximizing opportunities. Connecting with people and building relationships. Creating a mindset to be on a mission to do magical things and leave a legacy. These are things that champions do daily in all areas of their life. These are things that today's guest on the Fast Five Star Podcast has done throughout his entire career and life. I'm fired up to have Mr. Sean Cooper, owner and founder of C4 Sports Performance and Fitness in Oklahoma, joining us on the FFSP. Sean is an individual I first crossed paths with in 2009 when we were both playing in the German Football League. 2009, a year in which Sean rushed for 3,089 yards and 43 touchdowns. Talk about being on a mission to do magical things and leave a legacy? That's exactly what Coop did in Germany and throughout Europe. And it's what he continues to do now as a business owner, coach, mentor, and leader. In this episode, he dives into his past experiences and his C4 process of becoming a champion. By having commitment, conditioning, confidence, and camaraderie, we can create explosive human beings as we will emotionally, physically, mentally, and spiritually develop. Get your pen and notebook out, because Sean Cooper is about to drop knowledge on us all. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Mr. Sean Cooper. Welcome to another edition of the Fast Five Star Podcast. We have a big-time guest joining us today, an individual who I competed against in the German Football League in 2009, a season in which this individual rushed for 3,089 yards and 43 touchdowns in 13 games. This is an individual who has gone on to have success in everything he's done throughout his entire career. We have Mr. Sean Cooper, the owner and founder of C4 Sports Performance and Fitness in Durant, Oklahoma, joining the show. Sean, thanks for joining and welcome. I appreciate you having me, man. It's an honor and a privilege. I've been, you know, since we talked about it, I've been waiting on this one, man. And I can't wait to, you know, just, you know, generate, give, talk a little bit about what we've been able to do and just contribute, you know, to Fast Five Star. I appreciate it, Sean. Can we start off by you giving our listeners some insight into who you are as a person, your background, your past playing and coaching experiences, and kind of anything that has led you to, the place you're at right now in your career? Oh, uh, man, I'm, I'm a small-town boy. You know, I'm a country boy from man, East Texas, Pittsburgh, Texas. Uh, it's a town of about 4,000 people. And we grew up there, man, all the way. It was ball. You know, it was ball. And then when, on our side of town, it was ball and it was trouble. You know, so you had to pick one of the two. I was very fortunate that a lot of my uncles and cousins and my father, you know, they chose trouble. And I didn't have to choose trouble. You know, I got to, you know, choose ball. And, so I did that, you know, and I, and I we came up there and we just played and competed, you know, and every day, you know, we get out of school and we did what kids do. You know, we, we as teenagers, we chased girls and we went to the park and played basketball. And then you play video games and you do it all over again. And, you know, we did that. But then I was fortunate. Um, I earned a scholarship to Southeastern Oklahoma State, which is here in Durant, Oklahoma. That scholarship almost didn't happen, you know. And I'll tell you a quick story before I get into that. I was – in high school, it was a Thursday night. I was at the junior varsity game. My grandma called my my best friend's phone. 
because I didn't even have a cell phone. This was 2003. She was like, hey, come home. Oklahoma State called. I said, ooh, let's go. Bet. And at the time, I had been talking to a few schools like at that, at that level, so I fly home. I get home. My grandma forgot something pivotal. Like, she, she forgot to put the Southeastern in front of the Oklahoma State. <laughs> so they call. They tell me, and I'm mad. I'm telling I'm heated. So, man, they call. I'm acting like a jerk. Like, I'm a prick on the phone. Well, my mother was, like, in the other room. She was listening. Well, I act like a prick, and I just basically hang up. She comes in there, and she stares me down, and she just goes in on me like, you don't never do that. You call them people back and apologize. She's like, you don't never know who you're going to need. Do not burn bridges. Well, at the time, it was the 16, 17-year-old me. That's why I can relate to kids. I don't judge them. I was thinking D1, D1, D1. Well, that same school that I neglected in Durant, Oklahoma, is what's helped me provide for my family and put me in a position to do exactly what I do. And 20 years later, I'm still here. So you definitely don't ever want to burn no bridges, you know. And so I came to Southeastern. Um, it was one of the best decisions, you know, of my life. I'm just definitely a blessing. Played for four years here, won, won a Lone Star North title four times. I'm a four-time conference champ. I don't count the last one, but it is what it is on paper. Four-time conference champ, you know, all conference running back. But um, as my career went on, I kind of, like, it went down. So my senior year was awful. I was lost, you know. Football was my life, and that's all I had. Like I said, it was either ball or trouble where I came. So it was my life. You know, my senior year, it just you, you could just see it, you know, and – you know, a lot of people don't understand, you know, but even before I started this business, I was going to go around and mentor seniors at the lower levels. And I wanted to talk to them about their identity because I know the struggles that I went through as a senior footballer at the Division II level. Like, I'm smart enough to know, like, and you ain't did enough to get to the NFL. So around November, you know, October, November, a lot of us kids all around the country at the Division II, FCS, Division three levels that are – you know, that I think even a lot of coaches need to be aware of. They're they're going through things in their mind, like, who are they really? Especially if they come from a place where on their side of town or their neighborhood is just ball has been everything, and they've basically made that who they are. So I know what that felt like. I was lost, man. I started, you know, and I'm just honest, man. I started doing a bunch of things I shouldn't have been doing, and, you know, I just was going with the flow. As a matter of fact, I didn't even go, man. You know, you have your end-of-the-season meeting with your seniors. They get up and talk. I didn't even go. You know, and then just, man, by the grace, man, by the grace of God, man, just a GFL opportunity opened up. And, you know, it's crazy how that door opened up was there was a guy that was from a town that I was from, Jerome Castleberry. He went to play – he went to the Arizona Cardinals. And he got cut by the Cardinals when they picked up Emmett. Well, as he got cut by the Cardinals, he went to Germany. And I would see him on MySpace. That's when MySpace was popping. And he was running the ball in his jerseys, had all these things. You know how it is with the sponsorships, but yeah. until oh, yeah. you go over it, you don't have a Well, man, he also played at our rival, which is East Central Oklahoma. And, like, it's just weird. He, like, he basically put me on with Marburg. But, like, every running back before me that Marburg had ever taken had been an NFL guy, including him. They'd been an NFL cut. And, like, all those guys that came from big schools, and, man, he basically – he put me on with Marburg, man, and I just kind of got on. But I, I didn't deserve it. My film was terrible. I, 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 I didn't even have a highlight film. They told me they needed film of me. I went and took game cut-ups, like all our game cut-ups, and then highlights from all my years. I recorded it with a camera, took that, and made that into a VHS, and then some type of way we got that on YouTube. And I did that within a day. So, like, when people tell me, like, hold on this, hold on that, no, like, if you want it, you're going to go get it. Like, and that's just always been my mentality. So that got me to Europe and, you know, that got me to Germany. And then my first year with Germany, basically like my big brother, he was like my role model. That January, January 2008, when I was going to Germany, he actually got he got, uh, he got in trouble. You know, he, he got hit by the feds and they kind of raided his house. And, you know, he ended up getting sentenced to 120 months. And so that first year, you know, I just remember going, you know, that, that kind of hurt me because I looked up to him. And I just remember when I got I say, man, I'm finna go to this GFL. I'm, I'm finna re, you know, reinvent myself. I'm gonna recreate myself. And I'm gonna do something magical. And in that process of getting ready, you know, training to go over there, I would talk to him. You know, he was still before they shipped him off. He was still in the county, and man, it just it changed my life. And so when I got to the GFL, my mind was just I was wired. I wasn't even the same player that I was in college because I just when 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 some you lose something you love like that, and 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 I lost, you know, I lost a part of me with him, you know, and. Man, it just it put me on a whole nother mission. And then I knew that, you know, had he had the opportunities that I've been blessed with, you know, growing up, maybe he wouldn't have been in the situation he was in. 
So that's kind of when I flipped in that 08, we went to Germany. I led the league in run. And that was the first year without NFL Europe. So that was the first year without NFL Europe. So everybody from NFL Europe was coming there. And I was like, number one, I'm finna, you know, I'm finna maximize the opportunity because that's what he would do. And then I'm finna show everybody, all these ex-NFL dudes and NFL dudes, I'm finna show them that D2 cats are for real. And so I went with a chip on my shoulder and a purpose. And that's why I think everything in life gotta have a purpose and have a mission. And I went for 2,000 yards and then the next year is when I met you and that the rest is history. Then, you know, 08, I come back. I wasn't even going trying to go to no league or nothing. I go in 08. Well, I go for 2000. I come back to America. I get agents hitting me up. I'm like, okay, like, he might can go CFL and this, this, this. And so nothing ever shook. So I told my brother, I said, hey, I told him. I said, I'm coming back. Because we had the, I mean, you know, you were, we had the best O-line. I mean, we had what, two ex-NFLers on our O-line, uh, German quarterback, German receiver. So then we brought over an American lineman. Our team was so good. So I could have took more money other places. And, you know, we can talk about that money too. But I go back in 09, and that's when I go for three. And I told them, I said, hey, I'm coming back. I'm going to go for 2,500. They not going to be able to deny me. I'm getting to the NFL or the CFL. And I got an agent. I go back, man, I went for 3,000. That's the year I went for three racks and 40 tubs. But the training, you know, the training, the year, the, the offseason prior to that, it was horridious. Like, I was training with a guy that was um, 19 years old. And he's one of my best friends now. But the only reason he was training me is he had trained with the same guy who had I played with and they trained me before, but his back was hurt, so he couldn't play. He came to Southeastern. So training me was his edge, and it gave him a sense of purpose, and it was just the right mix. He got me right, man. I went for those three racks, and, you know, that, that 09 kind of changed my life because once I rushed with 3,000 yards, like nothing was the same because I didn't get to see a fair look, but I got in the door, you know, and things like that. But in Europe, like, I, I got to make money that people said wasn't possible. And I, I got, you know, those next two years, I got contracts that they said never would have could happen in European football. And so that kind of changed the game, you know, and it gave me a little clout. And it gave me, you know, the biggest thing that it gave me was was confidence, man. Like, it gave me a confidence because I basically created who I am now. And I created that mindset. And I, I'd always been a hard worker, but that 2008, man, and that's why you got to be able to take negatives and flip them to positives. When, when my brother got locked up, like, that just changed my life, you know. And, and so – you know, everything was good. It's the same, like, going to Germany, and it's everything that I live my life off of now. You know, I went, you know, and I say it now. You know, they tell you, know how they tell you don't talk about your contract. I went to Germany that first year. I was the lowest paid person in the league, and I was the, I was in. I should have got MVP that year, too. I got the next year. I made 350 euros. All living expenses were covered, food, boom. But I made 350 euros, which at the time was, we came back. It was like 1.8 when we first went. You know, it was like 600 bucks a month. So I came home when I came home and I was seeing like, oh, you a pro, you a pro. I'm like, yeah, I'm a pro, but I ain't make no money. I came home. I was cleaning toilets and like training people just to make a living because I didn't want to get a real job because I knew I was going to go back. And then I went back the next year. I made a little bit more, but like I came back and I, I got MVP and like in Europe, you know, I mean, you were there, like, I'm on all this stuff and I come back and I'm still cleaning toilets. And that's OK with me because. And that's those, those are the things that I try to tell kids. If, if something's like, you couldn't have told me that I didn't make 350000 Like, to me, I made the league minimum. It's because I was walking in my purpose. I was a pro. I wanted to be a professional football player, and I wanted to prove myself. And so then I come back, and all I know I want to do is train. And so I would train other people, and I would clean toilets, and I would work out all day. And that, you know, that kind of led me, you know, here, you know, I, I went back five years, and then my fifth year, I went back, and that's the only year I went back. I had a daughter in the process. And, man, that was the hardest thing I've ever had to do was fly over there and leave my daughter here. But I, but I didn't have a choice because I tried to get – I tried to work here, and it wouldn't happen. It wasn't just – it wasn't my purpose, man, you know. And I won't dive into that as a long story. But I go back that last year when I didn't want to go back. And I tell you, it's, it's the, every other year I led the league in Russia. Everything. My last year is the least amount of yards I had in, in Germany. It's the most fun I had playing football, and it gave me a purpose of playing the game of something much bigger than myself and my performance. And that's when I met I met a guy named Erskine Baker. He was a track coach over there. And before that, I was just like training like football, like we've been taught, go hard, you know, go hard all out. When I met Erskine, man, I learned how to truly program like training. I learned how to be training, and that's when it changed for me mentally as far as what I do now. But like that, that 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 got me there, and then, you know, once after that happened, I met him. I came back here. I really was helping people get faster. Then I was training speed. 
And then one of my the guy guy one of my best friends now he was uh, the defensive coordinator when I played at Southeastern. He came back. He was like, "Hey, I'm gonna apply for the head coaching job at Southeastern. If I get it, do you want to come be my strength guy?" I said, "Yeah," but I really didn't want to. Like I was gonna go back. I was gonna go to the Calanda Broncos, mm -hmm. and and then and so like he ends up getting the job. I'm like, "Crap, I'm gonna have to do this." And man, that's how we got on. Man, I, he hired me. Um, and at, at a young age, I was his head. I was the head strength and conditioning coach in Division Two, and then he snuck it in on me though. That's how he does. That's how he rolls. He's like, oh, yeah, after we get into it, I might need you to coach running backs. And I ended up coaching running backs, and I had to recruit. So I was the head. You know the D2 game. I was the head string coach, which was my first. And my heart and my head was my main responsibility. But then coaching running backs, you know, I had to coach running backs, and I had to recruit. And all of those things were still blessings because now we help kids get recruited. So all the stuff I learned in that, you know, is helped. And now running a business also because I have the coaching background I kind of can get in there with some college coaches that maybe some trainers or people on the outside can't get into because they, you know, want one conversation, they know that I get it. And we run our business that way. It's team first. You know, we'll tell, I put kids out of my program for missing school things. I tell kids, like, nothing we do here at C4 comes before school. I've had people neglect that and I put them out. Mm -hmm. Whether they get their money back, whatever, they've, they've been put out because I'm team first. And I, I believe any, I believe anybody that owns a facility, opens a facility, should go either GA for half a year or go volunteer to college for half a year or go volunteer to high school. And I think the way that their, the relationships from the public and the private sector, it would be enhanced. And I think it makes you a better business owner. The parents love it. They want the discipline. They want the accountability. They want you teaching kids how to be leaders. They want, And we're a team first facility. Like we are a team first facility. And I'm never, I'm trying to develop leaders. So we're never going to bash a coach talk down on a coach because what what does that make me look like as a leader and as a grown man if I'm trying to develop leaders but I teach them that they don't have to be service. And so that 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 changed the game. I think that I think the fact that I, I was able to be and I started that strength program from scratch. There was never a strength program there. That allowed me to have the courage to open a business from scratch as well. And so that's kind of how I got to this point, man, is that college game and that background is very unique, you know, being able to play pro ball and then you know, work in the college sector. There's not a lot of, you know, business owners and performance coaches that can say that, you know, and say they've done it that way. And, you know, we take pride in doing it the right way. Well, I appreciate you sharing all those experiences. Definitely each one of them played a big role in getting you to where you're at right now. You know, and I'll speak for you. You know, that was a magical career. You had a magical season. You had that 3,000-yard season, but you, you made it for yourself. You know, and you may go down, you know, you're in the conversation of the best running back in GFL history. Those numbers you put up were unprecedented. All these ex-NFL running backs, you know, they didn't do what you did. So I want to congratulate you on that career, but it's because of what you did, the work you put in, the purpose you had, you created it, you know, and I want to you know commend you on that. You know, now kind of transitioning to where you're at now, we talk about being fast five-star, staying in that relentless pursuit of greatness, but in order to do so, to get to that, you know, championship level, you need to have a great foundation built on your values to create that long-term sustainable culture. So I know now for you at C4, the, the things that you lean on, commitment, conditioning, confidence, and camaraderie, can you kind of dive into those, what those four things in C4 mean to you and, you know, why you chose those four things? So... It's, it's, it's funny because I opened this business on accident and everything's been organic. So C4 originated when we took over at Southeastern Oklahoma State. They had been a two-win program the prior three years. Mm -hmm. We said we were going to have the biggest turnaround in Division Two. I had never even coached teams before. They Like Coach Atterbury hired me and they were like – and our defensive coordinator, Charlie Burks, who's now the DB's coach with the Miami Dolphins, who just coached the best defensive player in the NFL – and he made the jump straight from D2 to the NFL coaching, and he never looked for a new job. He just had a purpose. We, I see four was created at, at Southeastern when we were flipping the culture, and culture was all we had. Our facility sucked. We were in a town that people didn't want to come in, so we had to lean on culture, and then Coach Atterbury taught us how to leave. So C4 happened by accident. The first summer we stayed there, like we had like 50 kids there, which was unheard of, Division II, like in this conference, because you don't pay for anything. It's not like D1. Well, second summer, we got, like, 70 kids that's going to sign up. I'm like, crap, man, we got to do something to, like, get these dudes excited. Like, you go from 50 to 70. 70 was really unreal. And I tell you, like, I raised money. We had post-workout drinks. We had flipped the culture. Like, 
we, we did a lot of things. Well, I'm sitting at home one day, and Coach Atterbury, he wanted a well-conditioned team. Like, he wanted – one of his teams was like a well-conditioned team and a team that played the game right. I was always talking about confidence and, like, I would always say confidence through the roof. So I'm sitting in my recliner one day. I'm like, what's these four words? So I come up with four words um, to, like, they basically came up with C4. It was a different four than what you just named, so I won't even go into it. But long story short, I was training people on the side to compensate my salary at the Division II level. And then this, it started getting messed up. Like, teams started not obeying their times. And, like, so I was like, man, I need to do something. And so I started looking for a spot. So I actually opened this off on accident, like on accident. Well, when I was opening C4, I didn't want to call it C4 because that was something special and close to my heart that we had created at Southeastern. And at the time that I opened C4, I was still the head strength coach there, and I never planned on leaving. So, man, I kept coming up with these crazy names, and I didn't want to put it in my last name. Long story short, I ended up asking one of the guys, well, ask the players. I asked one of the team leaders. He was like, bro, coach, bro, you need to name it C4. Like, that would be special to us. And I didn't see it that way. So then when I said that, my wife was like, well, you need to change the four words. I was like, man, I'm not changing no four words. Like, the words we had at the time, I created this myself. We flipped it. That's me. Well, she was right. Because the, the, the first word, like, the first word that we had, you know, at, at, at the school was camaraderie. We're like, now that we're working with individuals, they don't need camaraderie first. They're coming to us because they're not put together. Like, when you go to college, you already, you, you, you signed. So it was commitment. So I was like, okay, people need to make a commitment. And so then it was like, okay, what is commitment? Well, commitment, the first C, like if you're going to do anything sustainable, you're going to have to commit to the task, commit to the goal. Like you have to make a commitment. And that can go with any realm. That can be spiritual, non-spiritual, anything. But commitment is purely an emotional response. So people get saved all the time in churches. They make a commitment. All right. That's emotional. They get hyped. They hear a message. Let's go. It's here. It's emotional. Well, now if this thing's going to work after the commitment, our second C is conditioning. Well, when you hear the word conditioning, you always, it, it has a negative feel to it. It's always been turned with negativity and getting tired and something you don't enjoy. And I like taking negatives and turns it and turning them into positives because that's just where I was raised. And that's where we come from is, we come from a negative place, but we've been able to flip this to a positive. Conditioning for us means consistent action. So it's just positive, consistent action. So you got the C-O-N in conditioning, and you capitalize the E-I-O-N. So it's consistent action. That's it. And when you think about even conditioning in the realm of football or basketball and horses, that's all you're doing. Over, back, over, back. You're doing the same thing over and over again. Well, if we're going to achieve any level of greatness and success, we got to make the commitment. That's emotional. Well, now the conditioning, the consistent action, that's my physical. So now I got the emotional attached with the condition. Let's come back to people. Like I said, people get saved. They do whatever. They, you know, people go to jail. They always, you know, they, they do that. Well, then they never take any action where they just fall back. Any of us, we just fall back in our ways. Same thing at the first of the year. Everybody gets emotional about losing weight. And then if they never take the physical action, they fall back into their ways. They have to recommit. All right. So I'm boom. I've made the commitment. That's emotional. I've taken the physical action, the conditioning. Now my confidence grows up. So like if I drive to New York right now, if I drive to New York City right now, I don't know. I've never done it. So I don't know that I can do it. But if I do it once, I'm like, okay, bet I can do that. If I do it again, I keep taking consistent action. Okay, oh yeah, now I'm good. Now I'm gonna find tricks. Oh, that's a shortcut. I may take a nap over here. Oh, what about that store over there? Remember that restaurant? Now I have confidence in all the things that I've taken action doing. So now I've made the commitment. Boom. I've taken the physical action. Now, mentally, I put that confidence with those three things. And now once I get those things going, so boom, now I'm committed. So I'm there. My action is adding up. Now my confidence is going up. So now that action is even funner. It's positive. But now I have the camaraderie. And when I have the camaraderie, I put them all together. So boom, I got the commitment is emotional. The conditioning is physical. The confidence is mental. And now the camaraderie is spiritual. And that's what, whatever you believe in, that does. I'm not saying that you, you know anything religion-wise. That's spiritual. We all are spiritual being. Now put that spirituality together. Now that's four. Those four levels of human, like that, those four levels of human characteristics, make me an explosive athlete, an explosive father, an explosive husband, an explosive mother, an explosive suit, an explosive everything. Now C4, you know, is is like an explosive. And so when you watch the movie Rush Hour. 
Like they say, he said, what's that in the trunk? I don't know if you remember Chris Tucker said, is that C4? They blow it up. Uh-uh. You can't blow up C4. The only way C4 can blow up is with a detonator. And those four, those four words, those are your detonators for success and for explosive success and for an explosive life. And so that's how we flipped it and get it to where that can mean anything to the mother of three, the mother of one, the athlete, the quarterback, the father, the, the widow, everybody. You can go live an explosive life if you make the commitment, you take the consistent action, you allow your confidence to develop, you put it all together. Now you can be an explosive human being yourself and you can go be an explosive teammate. If you can do that as a team, you can have an explosive team. I love that. I love that because it's not just the football player or the softball player. You know, as you said, that's life. That's every single person can take what you just said, the, the progression you just explained, how it hits the emotional, the physical, the mental, the spiritual, and you can apply it to your day-to-day -day life to get to that long-term sustainable championship level in whatever you're doing. And, and I love that. You know, I think that's something everyone, athlete or non-athlete, can take and learn from. So I appreciate you sharing that. Because it also goes then into your mentality, you know, because that's something it's we talk about a lot, you know, being fast five star. And even with our FDU football program, you know, we, we have this system of success to help align, engage and develop our current student athletes. But we kind of say the same thing as you just said, it's all areas of your life. You need to have a CEO mentality. You know, CEOs are CEOs because every single thing they do is at the CEO level, academically, in the weight room, on the field, getting internships, socially but it's the mentality. And I know you have that mentality from the production you had in your playing career to now what you're doing at C4. And I got to say, I love every Monday on my social media timelines, I see you post, hey, it's Monday, best day of the week. And I love seeing that, but it's the mentality you have. So can you kind of just hit on that mentality? Why you talk about Monday being the best day of the week? And then even getting to Friday where you talk about I believe it's, you know, C4 finish Fridays, fourth quarter Fridays. Like, I just love it every day with the purpose that go get it win mentality. So, so that mentality is developed again, like the way we grew up, it was ball, it was trouble. And it's, when I say trouble, like on our side of town, it's just a bunch of hustlers. That's what they do. Everybody was out to get it. So if like, it didn't matter today. So I have a thing I say, man, Monday, Tuesday, Saturday, it's the same. They all are 24 hours and they end with why. How you view them and how you spell them is determined on your heart, your mind, and your outlook. So, like, I start the week. I, I say I don't believe Monday. Like, Monday, we call it Monday. Monday is the best day of the week. And the reason I say that, and I say this, you got to write this down. If you can dominate Mondays, that's your advantage over the week and the week. I'm going to say that again. I'm going to spell it out for you. So, if you can dominate Mondays. That's your advantage over the week, the W-E-E-K, seven days, and the week, the W-E-A-K, the week Monday. If you, because most people wake up, you get on Facebook for sure. Oh, it's Mondays. Oh, I hate Mondays. Oh, whoa, it's Monday. And people are whoa and Monday. Okay, well, if you got more talent than me and you wake up, whoa, it's Monday, 50, 52 weeks out of the year, and I wake up like Monday, let's get it. I'm going to kill Mondays. I'm going to, I'm going to pass you. And I'm going to beat you. And I'm going to beat you to that job. I'm going to beat you to the ball. I'm going to beat you to that promotion. I am going to beat you. And I may not beat you this year. And I may not beat you next year. But if you if you wake up, woe is Monday, 52 weeks out of the year for three years, I beat you 150 times. And so I say all this, and you can write this down too, life is just 52 seven-game series. That's it. And I'm trying to go be Jordan and Kobe. Life is like each year you have is 52 seven-game series. All I got to do is go four and three. And if I win Monday, I probably that's probably two wins right there. So that's why I like Monday is the best day of the week because that for me, I was a smaller guy. When I started, when I started, uh, when they hired me at Southeastern, nobody knows this. I ain't said this on record yet. I, I didn't even, I wasn't even certified. They get in trouble. I wasn't even certified, but we changed the culture and those kids bought in everything I sold them. You because we had a passion and a purpose. Like I never worked with teams, like they were afraid of that. I just worked with like kids one-on-one. But if you got a passion and a purpose and you attack Mondays, you can do anything. You can go be the small five foot six running back from Pittsburgh, Texas that goes and make history in the GFL. You can go make money that they said couldn't be made because you're attacking Mondays and every day is 24 hours and it ends with why. So then I transition to Wednesday. And let me tell you, and we've been doing this since Southeastern. This is how I spell Wednesday. How you spell Wednesday? 
I know how you spell because I've seen it. No, I'll, I'll, let you ex- I'll let you explain it. <laughs> so I spell Wednesday, capital W, capital I, capital N, lowercase s, capital D, capital A, capital Y. And I don't believe in hump day. So because I got over the hump, when I chose to dominate Mondays and dominate the week and the week, I was already over the hump. Mm-hmm. So now we get to Wednesdays and I'm just winning. So everybody else complained about Mondays. Oh, then they want to get over the hump because they still tired because Tuesdays, they just drug on. Oh, now I'm winning. Cause I already won on Monday, and then we get to the we get to Friday. Like it's just C fourth quarter Friday. It's C fourth quarter Friday, and we doing whatever we want. Cause the past four days, we we made the commitment to killing Mondays. We've taken the action those other three days. Our confidence is up. Cause now I believe in that whole Harley now, and now I got it all together. So we get to C fourth quarter Friday. I'm just rocking. But cause I made a choice on Monday to dominate the week, the seven days, and the week, the weak minded people that are gonna wake up. Get on Facebook, get on Instagram, and complain about it being Monday. I love. I've I dominated. Love yeah, I love I've how dominated. It's all connected to everything you do, from C four your personal life. It's all connected. It's all done with a purpose, and and a purpose to help others succeed as well. You know, and I know yeah. you can tell that you have a contagious energy and a contagious passion in your life for building relationships, helping others succeed. You know, and I know you've had people do that for you along the way. And whether it's some of your current athletes that have gotten full scholarships to Notre Dame and Oklahoma State. I know you train a guy that just won a Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Bucks. You, yeah. you train a guy that's in the CFL. But then you also have, have that same passion and purpose when you're training youth athletes and high school athletes and adults. So can you just kind of talk about that passion and purpose that allows you to build meaningful lifelong relationships, but along the way you're getting people to levels that they've never been to before. Yeah. I mean, it, it does, man. It still starts back, man. It goes back. Like I said, that's why I start anytime I speak, I do, I have to tell people I'm from Pittsburgh, Texas. I have to, because that, that's meaningful because I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, like we had no choice, like we had no other option. And so like, Everything has to be done, you know, w- w- with a purpose. And th- that's just how we were raised. And so relationships, you know, are everything. Because here's the thing. I, was, I wasn't I was that fast as a player. Growing up, I, and so I get the best of both worlds, really. And I tell people this. And this helped me train adults. It's helped th- this same, like me being what I would consider an average athlete, but being able to thrive at a high level has helped me connect with that woman that needs to lose 20 pounds and she feels low about herself. Like, I had to work because I was an average athlete, so I can resonate. In middle school, I had to play fullback. I wanted to play tailback. I had to play fullback. And then I get to high school, puberty hits, I lose a little body fat, boom, get right. Then I get to college and I ball. Then I go get MVPs and leagues, and so I make money doing this. Well, I can connect with the kid that is scared that he's going to be on B team. Because I remember those nights, man, if I don't even make the A team, that's going to be embarrassing. I can connect with the kid that's splitting time and not getting a lot of playing time because in middle school, I was kind of that kid. I played fullback. Oh, well, he got to be getting a bunch of attention. Well, I can connect with the MVP. I can connect with the big dog too. Oh, he, he got cut from the league or he waiting to see if a team will hit him up. I remember those sleepless nights waiting for my agent to hit me up, checking my phone every 30 minutes. And so just because it happened to me in sport, it's allowed me to be able to resonate with regular human beings because you have everybody's still human. People forget this about athletes, they're still human. And so relationships, you know, is everything. And the reason I had to hinge on relationships is when Coach Atterbury hired me again, I never worked with teams. I never worked with teams and I wasn't even certified. I'm saying I'm just telling I'm gonna keep it a buck. That's just me. I wasn't even certified. I knew I was just fresh off being a player. I had to hinge on relationships, and that was gonna be everything. And that's how we built the culture. And kids would sit in my office for hours and tell me about their personal lives and that's how I learned to coach people and you know I started quarterback at the time it was what is really a blessing he was a d1 he was like juco player of the year he was like texas high school player of the year and he had got in trouble he got in trouble you know in, in college I don't want to put his name out there everybody knows you can do it but and he came in we brought him in that first year we had him and he was a top dude everybody knew him everybody in Texas knew him he had, you know, he struggled with some things, you know. He struggled with when he got, you know, he went to Division One. he got kicked off the team. Well, that whole year, man, spent a lot of time with him. And he didn't trust people easy. 
He's one of the guys that taught me how to coach. And I tell these kids this all the time. The guys I coached back there in Southeast, those are some of my best friends now. And I'm sick. I'm in group text with those guys. And I would tell one of those guys each week, one of them, thank you. Because they'll hit me like, man, C4 killing. They're eating. I'll text them, thank you for teaching me how to coach. Because I didn't know how to coach. And without those kids buying in, our program at C4 is not where it is. That's why we have a saying that there's no such thing as self-made men. Everybody's helped all of us get to the point that we're at. And those relationships were all that I could hang on. Now, the energy, I didn't know I had that. One day, it was, it was one day, like the second week we were doing this, somebody did something good in the weight room. I just started screaming. And you could feel the whole room stop. And then like, everybody was like, oh, let's go. And they got live. And I'm live. And I'm getting chills thinking about it. I still remember it was the Tuesday after Martin Luther King Day. I'll never forget it. Because at the time, I was still questioning whether I was supposed to be coaching. And then I remember screaming and doing that and the whole room going crazy. And then everybody looking at me. And I realized at that point what coaching really was. And it was a bunch of 18 to 24-year-olds, you know, from, from, from the guys. I mean, I just looked and I said, these guys are trusting me with everything they have to get them right where they need to be. And there is no feeling like that. And that's when I learned that if you are selfish as a coach, you cannot be a great coach. They will sniff you out, especially in a Division II setting where your facilities aren't the best thing going. And because as a player, you can be really selfish and it still work. And you can, I mean, let me take it back. You can be really, you can be really selfish and it still work and it helps the team. But you can be a really selfless player, but you still are looking like, how can I help the team? When you're coaching, it is all about how can we get everybody else to do everything. It is a self-serving profession. And I knew that day I was right where God wanted me to be, and I never turned around. But Coach Burks told me that day, when guys with the dog, he said, hey, you got live today. You know, you got to do that every day. You got to bring that energy every day. I said, what? He said, when you scream. He said, because now if you don't do it, the kids won't think you didn't want to be there. And that's how I became the energy guy. And then I saw the room feed off my energy and it just went. And it's not a, you know, some people in strength and condition see other guys doing things as a clown show. I don't know. I can't speak for those guys, but I speak for some of them that it probably isn't because a lot of your strength coaches are a lot of guys who really overachieved as athletes. And so they have that passion and they have that heart and their desire. So that's where it came from. And then I just learned to value your relationships. And you talk about, you know, Cody McElroy, the guy with the Buccaneers, the relationships are pivotal, man, because, he got cut from the key, went to the Rams first. He got cut. He was like, man, yada, yada, yada. Long story short, he hit me up. He's like, hey, the Cowboys are going to bring me in. This is like in the November or December. After he got cut his rookie year. He's like, the Cowboys hit me up about a futures contract. He was like, what do you think? I said, you don't need to do it. Because at the time, man, he, he you know, because Cody's story is unique. He played professional baseball. Braves. He didn't play high school football. Then he got out of baseball. He went to play basketball at Oklahoma State. Then he backed door and was coaching Division One baseball at Wichita State. And then he said, coaching one for him. And he's spontaneous. So, but at the time when he got when he got let go by the Rams, he was like, man, I just want to get out, make money, get a job, and you know, live because he's already twenty six. Well, the Cowboys hit him up. He said, and he hit me because he had we had a relationship. He hit me. He's like, what you think? I said, you don't need to do it. He said, that's what I was thinking. All right. Fast forward. It was like January, February. He said, bro, the Cowboys hit my agent back up. He said, man, I said, you need to do it. He said, he was like, well, dang, you just told me I didn't need to do it. I said, you didn't need to do it then because all you were saying right, right after you got cut was how much you were ready to just make good money and live. And he got a great job selling insurance in Oklahoma City. But after about three months on that job, he realized like, man, I really can do this. And I knew because the reason I knew this was because we talked a lot. Like I just said, I'm friends with guys I coach now. Like we talk so much that I knew this. Long story short, he took the Cowboys gig. Boom, he got on with the Cowboys. He stuck, went through everything. Then he got with the Bucks. He got let go, and the Bucks picked him up. Well, then this year he got let go with the Bucks on final cut day, and then they wanted to bring him back in for a workout. And he hit me up. And he was like, "What you think, man? I need a workout plan. I'm gonna have to work out for the Bucks." So I sent him a plan. I'll send you a screenshot of this when we get done. I sent him the workout. I see a lot of people want to know the workout. Oh, what was Cody McElroy doing? You know, what was the workout? But at the end of the workout. And he'll, he'll, he'll tell you this. I put, just go be a kid. I said, don't put no pressure on yourself. Have fun and just go be that kid hooping. So what does hooping has to do with him trying out for the Bucks? Playing basketball was a happy, happy place for him that he had a lot of confidence in that he never thought about the results. And he told me after he made, he said, Dog, when you told me just go hoop, that was actually exactly what I needed to hear. Not the workout, not the sprint, like get ready to run the 40, because I put – 
like six days of workouts leading to the workout because of COVID restrictions, you had extra time because they bring you in. It wasn't the work. It was the relationship that he, he said it made him feel so at ease. He said that was exactly what he needed to hear. A, a guy who'd been in professional sports needed to hear that. Mm -hmm. And because of the relationships, you, you take it and you take heed. That's why that same guy drives two and a half hours to train here when he can train with anybody in Oklahoma City. Yeah, and it's, and it's so true. It's connecting with people, those meaningful relationships, whether it's what you just did right there with him and now he just got a Super Bowl ring. Or I'll even go back to what you said earlier in our conversation, taking the C4 from Southeastern and your player said that would be special to us. I mean, you've been yeah. connecting with people every stop throughout your career on this coaching journey, helping them get to that long-term sustainable championship level in whatever that championship level may be for them, whether it's a Super Bowl ring, whether it's the adult that wants to lose a little bit of weight or gain some confidence. Again, you've been doing it day in and day out you know, to help these people. And, and I got to ask you this, because you kind of just mentioned it where you said, don't worry about the result. Just go, go who? Can you talk kind of about, you know, developing people and that process, you know, and again, people can talk about the process and it can be different to every, everyone, but I know that's important to you. So can you kind of just hit on mm -hmm. that and how important that is? Because the results will come if you stay true to your process, you develop and you make it yourself. Yeah. Yeah, you, you got to stay true. to The number one thing that we have to do, we all have to do. Everybody does talk about the process. If you're truly about the process, there's one thing you got to die to, and that's comparisons. Because the minute you get to comparing everything you're doing to somebody else, you're outside of the process. Like, you, you can't because now you're trying to live somebody else's process. And you're going to try to follow their process, and you can't do it. But, you know, when you're talking about the process, I think our process starts with that commitment. But, like, we have a series of processes, you know, where it like, and basically my process, you know, is made up of a bunch of mistakes I made. I mean, like I told you about being a bad teammate in Germany. Now I know how to help people be a great teammate. Um, but the process just has to be day to day. It, it can't be about the results. Mm -hmm. The results happen because of the process. And a part of my process that I believe is I like to say grace, like grace is undefeated. Whether you believe in whatever you believe in, like grace, even if you believe, if you, if you believe wholeheartedly in Christianity, you understand and know that you did nothing to deserve grace. So grace is undefeated. And there's things about the process like, like that you can work, you can do everything right, and you may not, you have to know this, you may not get the results that you desire. And that's just a part of the process because the process always, if you work your butt off, your process has to be driven around work. You work your butt off. You respect others. You have integrity. We tell our guys, you don't disrespect women. You're going to land where you need to land. Was For me, when I met you in 2009, where did I want to land? NFL. Where did I should have landed? NFL. Do I believe wholeheartedly right now I could have landed in the NFL and been successful? Yes. But, and I tell this to our athletes, I follow my process, and my process led me back to Durant, Oklahoma. And grace has allowed me to provide for my family and do things I love and where I thought the NFL was going to allow me to help this family member, that family member, and live this type of lifestyle, I get to feed thousands of people with my passion due to my process. I could have went to the league one year, everybody would have been hype, oh, Coop in the league, this is this, and they forget about you. We see it all the time. But now with what you do and what I do, we get to serve a multitude of people. Every guy that you're recruiting, whether you get him or you don't, you're serving him. You're, 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 you're basically giving him a look into your heart and what you believe in into your process. That's what we get to do. And our process basically is as simple as just work your tail off every day, respect yourself. Really, this is what we tell Work your butt off every day, respect yourself, tell people, please, thank you. Yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Hold the door for four people a day. Hold the door for four and put your buggy back. Yep. You do those things. I tell every kid, if you do those things, even on your worst day, if you hold the door for four people on your worst day, there's no way you can go bed. You can lay your head down in the bed and say, man, my day was just all the way bad because you held the door for four. That's what we call it. We say, hold the door for four. That's a part of our process. And I love that too, because, you know, it goes back to people and relationships and helping people. people. And it's those small things that may seem small, but in actuality, 
holding that door open for four people a day, that's a big thing. You might make someone's day and it just shows that your standard and your expectations of yourself are higher than anyone can ever have for you. You know, all those little things. And I love what you said about the process, how you know, it has to be your process, no comparisons, because that's something we talk about in being fast five star is, yes, we're always learning. Yes, we're always evolving, but we have to stay true to who we are you know, as individuals who we are as an FDU football program. So I, I love that you said that as well. Um, and, and I appreciate all your time here, Sean. And I want to just hit on one or two more things. And you kind of mentioned it there and we talked about it off air, but can you just talk about how important family is to you? I know we've talked about relationships with all people, yeah. but I know family is super important to you. So can you, can, can you just kind of talk about that for our listeners? I mean, so for me, you know, growing up, I grew up without my father. I've scored, we talk about, I mean, just generally, I've scored 100 touchdowns and he's never seen one. So I know what it feels like not to have your father there. So I want to say everything about me revolves around my kids. If you follow me on social media, it's either C4 or my kids. That's, that's it. Um, I, I, I think, like, you know, that's actually what drove me out of coaching. I was coaching over C4. And then I had to stop because we grew so fast. I mean, we went from like six members, went from six members to like 40 members in three months. Then we went from like six to like 70 in six months. And so I had to stop. And then I went back. But once I went back, it wasn't the same because when I stopped, I had control of my time. And I saw that I didn't miss dance recital. I didn't miss gymnastics. I didn't miss graduation. I didn't miss anything. And, I, and, I, and you know, I had a great boss. Like he's my best friend, the best boss that anybody can ever have. And we, and, you know, we could still hit those things, but for me and my purpose now is I'm willing to sacrifice money to not miss my daughter's soccer game. I'm willing to sacrifice money to not miss my daughter's softball game. I'm willing to sacrifice money to be able to do X, Y, Z with, with my son. Um, I take my daughter, you know, I created a, my, a process. Talk about process. I created a process and a score, score, score sheet for myself. I have to take or pick my daughter up from school at least four times. Everything I do revolves around fours. So at least four times. Now I basically take her four times, four times a week. I, there's things that I sacrifice and I sacrifice my own personal workouts. Like some of the times I take her to like school, I've sacrificed my workouts. I've sacrificed teams coming in here at that time period that, that I just can't train them. And then I got, you know what? It's actually right here. Let me see. Yep, it's, I'm glad it is. It's actually right here. My daughter writes, you know, sometimes, you know, I'm like, man, I could be doing X, Y, Z from seven to this. My daughter writes me this note. I don't know if you can see that. Yeah, I can see it. So she says, Bubba, I love when you take me to school. I'm so grateful. She's felt grateful with a D for everything. I love you so much. For me, that, that, that's all I need. I don't need... When we get a kid going division one, like that, okay, usually that's good genetics. We, you okay, you work with a Super Bowl champ, okay, that's cool. I love that. I love those relationships. But for me in life, that note is all I need. I mean, that's it. I got um my son, man. He now he's getting to an age where he wants to be like me. He's three. Now he wants to be like me. He wants his haircut like me. He wants to do what I do. He really looks just like his mother. But I said, man, you like your mom? No, I look like you, daddy. I like you, Bubba. They all call me Bubba. You know, they do those things. My youngest daughter, she's the meanest one of them all. They want to be around me. When, when I'm having a bad, when I think things aren't going good, I'm, I realize how blessed I am to have three healthy children, not just three children, three healthy children. And that's everything to me. And, and I'm not willing to sacrifice certain things to take that away because we only have so much time on this earth, man. And, and who we are, and I know you want to be a great coach, and I want to be a great coach, and I take like immense pride in coaching. And sometimes I probably work a little bit too much, but at the root, man, I know like when it's all said and done, your two daughters, my three kids, that's what it's going. That's who it's going to matter to the most. When yeah. we, wherever we are, ever we get to that deathbed, it's going to matter to them the most. And now, what type of legacy are we creating while on earth for them? If something was happening to us, do people are there people out there willing to coach our kids the way we want to coach people and coach from the heart and look out for them? That's the type of legacy. I would hope and think that every like 95% of the guys I've coached, if something happened to me, would make sure my kids are straight. And so, you know, that's why we do it the way we do it. And I'll say this, you know, and I'll give away a little bit. This is a secret that we use within our staff. I tell our staff, and I employ handbook, my staff, I said, we have a wedding day mentality here. So you're talking CEO mentality. This is Ty Williams. 
we have a wedding day mentality. We have a wedding day philosophy. I ask people what that means. They're like, oh, well, you want to dress good? You want us? Nope. If we, in the way that we're coaching, if we're coach, if we're not coaching in a way where we get invited or we're asked to be in the wedding, we're doing it wrong. We should be coaching in a manner where we have to turn down weddings year after year. And we have a book full of wedding invites because we've made that type of significant impact on those that we've been entrusted to serve. And if we can do that, if we have a wedding day mentality, our kids will always be straight. It's true. It's true. And I, and I love that mentality. And it keeps going back to it. It's those relationships you're building, you know, through that wedding day mentality. But at the root of it, it's your family. It's your kids. The love you have for them, the unconditional love they have back. Because at the end of the day, like you said, that's the most important thing. That letter that you just held up and I wish our listeners would be able to see it. That's the championship trophy. That's the MVP trophy. And that's what it's all about. So I appreciate you sharing that with us. You know, that's, that's powerful and that's impactful. And, and that's why we do this day in and day out. That's why you have that work ethic that I know you have. And I see that you have day in and day out because of your kids. So I appreciate you sharing with that up with us. And, and just to wrap it up here, Sean, one last question that I love to ask all of our guests here on the fast five-star podcast, you know, as we've discussed being fast five stars, bringing that great energy and passion in that relentless pursuit of greatness in everything we do, not just on the field or in the weight room, in everything we do. Is there one last piece of advice that you could give our listeners that helped you get to that elite championship, fast five-star level that you're at right now? Man, um, I, I wish it, you know, work, man. Everything about me just revolves around, like, work. You know, I don't know. You know, there's one moment, you know, I'd always been a worker. I'll, I'll say, yeah, just work, man, honesty. Honesty and work. Um, you know, I, I I say this all the time. You know, I don't have a good good relationship with my dad. You know, I um, I mean, he just hadn't been there. But I was in the third grade, and I was a below, I was below average athlete. And it, this rides with me everywhere. And he's supposed to take me to baseball practice. So he takes me to practice. He's supposed to stay. Well, he drops me off. And he drops me off. He leaves. He goes and does what he does. You know, he's he's in the recreationals. Well, he comes back, man, like five minutes before practice. So he watched like five minutes of practice. And I'm in third grade. I'm hot dogging it. And I get in the car. And he ain't never seen nothing, no game or nothing. And he says, hey, man, you were blank, blanking, blank, blanking. Like you weren't going hard is basically what he said. I don't say nothing back. I mean, I, at the time, man, he was still my hero. And he says, well, do you really want to do this? I said, yeah. He said, what you want to do? I said, I want to play in the NFL. I want to play running back. You know that. He said, well, what you just showed me, it ain't cut it. He said, and you're going to be small because my dad's shorter than me. He said, look like you're going to be small. And he was really good. Like what we grew up with, everybody knows he's the truth. He said, and you ain't fast as me. You really look like you slow. So if you're going to do anything, you better work your off every day and pray that that's going to be enough because it don't look like you're going to be that good. And at the core of me, I didn't know this, you know, always, those words have always stuck with me. And I've always just kept that chip on my shoulder. And, you know, and not to rub it in, you know, nobody's face or nothing, but that, that's always been in me. And I always would say, you know, as I grew up, I kind of hated him. I was like, man, he didn't give me nothing. Like, he ain't ever bought me no Christmas gift, this. But as I've gotten older, and I look at all the people that I've been able to influence and impact, and I look at my day-to-day -day processes, everything about me stemmed back to that conversation. That's why work is so important to me. Yeah. That's why when I wasn't fast enough, I was on a constant track searching for speed. The reason I learned how to speed train is because I was getting caught. Like a lot of people don't know that. I learned about, in college, I was getting caught all the time. I had to learn, in that first year in the GFL, I had to learn speed if I really wanted to get to the level I wanted to get to. And I can still hear him say, I know exactly what he was wearing that day. He had an old black, Oldsmobile colors. He had a white t-shirt on when he picked me up. He'll never leave me. Mm -hmm. And so if that's the thing, I'll say people need to learn to take criticism, man. And don't get emotional about it. Don't let your, don't let their emotions override when someone's being constructive. Whether what the criticism they're receiving is 100% accurate or not, usually when we're being criticized, there is some accuracy to it. We just have to find how to navigate through it and not allow our emotions to dictate how we respond to it. Yeah. But you got that's why as coaches, we got to be honest with people. 
no doubt about it. And I appreciate you sharing all these experiences. You've dropped a ton of knowledge on myself. I can tell you, I have multiple pages of notes already. I can't wait to go back and listen to this conversation again. And I know our listeners are going to learn a ton from it. Is there a way our listeners can connect with you? Can maybe you drop your social medias, Twitter, Instagram. So maybe they want to shoot you a message or connect with you about something that you've talked about today. Yes, sir. So like if they want to follow me, like Instagram, I'm active on Instagram at Sean Cooper underscore C4. So at Sean Cooper, S-E-A-N-C-O-O-P-E-R underscore C4. Uh, I'm on Twitter. Twitter's I'm the same, man. I'm I'm on Twitter at Sean Cooper underscore C4. Um, that, that's where I am on most platforms. You can follow C4. You can follow us at C4. You know, C4, we're at C4 Sport Oklahoma. You know, and we get it, we get it in. You know, we get it, we get it in, you know, right there. And I'm on social media a lot, a lot. Awesome. No, you definitely, you've built a brand and it's a long-term sustainable brand. And it's, it's great to see every day. I love seeing your stuff come across my timeline. And I, I know every single person that you work with day in and day out is reaping the benefits of the work that you put in, uh, you know, through your processes, as you said. I want to thank you once again, Sean. Really appreciate all the time you spent with us. I know everyone is going to get a ton from this. want to wish you, the C4 family, your family, much, much success in the future. Can't wait to continue to see it all. And thank you again. Appreciate all the time you spent with us today. Wow. What a phenomenal conversation with Sean Cooper. His mindset is contagious. It's powerful. And as he said, everything we do is determined by our mindset. It's why he was so successful as a player and now is even more successful as a business owner, coach, mentor, and leader. He's a fast five-star dude. Everything he does is with a passion and a purpose. At C4, he has created a long-term, sustainable championship culture. And the individuals that are a part of his C4 family are all thriving because of it. I just love his outlook on everything. And how at C4, they create explosive human beings. Not just explosive athletes, but explosive human beings. And they hit four levels of human characteristics as he described. The commitment is emotional. The conditioning is physical. The consistent action which then gives you the confidence, which is mental. And from there, you have the camaraderie, which is spiritual. But it's all connected with a purpose, the alignment, the engagement, the development. Because as he discussed, the only way C4 explodes is with a detonator. And those four things are the detonator to create explosive human beings. I cannot thank Sean enough for joining us on the Fast Five Star Podcast and dropping so much knowledge on us all. I wish him and the C4 family continued success as they stay committed to their process. I want to thank everyone for tuning in to this week's episode of the FFSP. Remember, subscribe to the Fast Five Star Podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. On Anchor, on Spotify. Rate it, review it, leave us a comment or a voice message. Follow us on social media, on Twitter and Instagram. At Fast Five Star. At Jim Robertson QB. At Wide World of Rome. Let's continue to connect, learn, grow, and develop together on our quest to be Fast Five Star. I hope everyone has a Fast Five Star and see Fourth Quarter Friday. Because as Sean said, life is 52 seven-game series. 
all days are the same, 24 hours and end in Y. They're just determined by your mindset. Earn the right to have a fast five-star and see fourth quarter Friday. Dominate Mondays, the best day of the week. So it can be your advantage over the week and the week. It sets the tone. Every week, you just need to go four and three. And you win that seven-game series. What is your daily outlook? It is your choice and up to you. Once again, I hope everyone has a fast five-star and see fourth quarter Friday. And until next week, we are all aboard.